Hello, everyone. This is Life Over Coffee, and I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me. I have a super sensitive subject that I want to bring to you today, and so I want you to listen carefully to my warning. If you are the victim of abuse, you may not want to listen or watch or read the show notes to what I have presented here, but also if you are the, or have been the victim of abuse, and you recognize that um, you're not responding well to this, that you are responding sinfully, and you know that your responses are not right, and so you're kind of caught uh, in this spot, and you want to get out of it, and so without delegitimizing what has happened to you, I would never do that, but there sometimes can be a pendulum swing to where we go into the other ditch, and now we actually act in some form of an abusive person by our sinful responses to the things that have happened to us. Now, I have been in that boat. For those of you who follow our ministry, you have heard many of the stories. I'll not rearticulate them here, but I will say that I was the angry teenager, and I think many Many of us can conceptualize that, if not uh, exactly practicalize it, because many of us have been in that place where uh, we were in a situation with our parents or a parent who abused us, and we were the victims of what they did to us, and we responded sinfully to them. Well, we know that that can happen, and it does happen, and it happens all the time. We have a lot of victims in our culture here. And when I say that, again, I do want you to hear that I am not minimizing or delegitimizing what has happened to you. I am merely acknowledging that we can react poorly to those things as I have as an example. And so let that be your warning. I don't know where you are as far as being hurt by an individual or an entity, but by any chance, if it is possible for you to listen to this with humility and with an open heart, then please do. If not, just please go on. Uh, please pass pass on, and, and that's okay. Maybe another time you can sit, uh, read, watch, or listen to this. This is episode 421. I want to talk about the 10 steps leading to toxic Christian femininity. And then I want to give you some solutions as I wrap up uh, this for you. So let me jump into it. Everyone knows about toxic masculinity, and there are just as many opinions, I, I believe, that defend it or at least a right version of masculinity as those on the other side who denounce it. But the question that I want you to interact with in this particular episode, again, this is episode 421, is what about your thoughts about toxic femininity, women who are toxic? Is it possible for a woman to be toxic? How do they become that way, and what is a path forward? I want to talk about both of those things in this episode. How do they become toxic, and what is a path out of that, of being uncaught, using Paul's language in Galatians 6, 1 and 2? The reasons they fall into this trap are real. And again, I, I would never delegitimize that. I, I do understand what it's like to be victimized, whether in my case it was a, a very mean-spirited, angry, abusive 
drunken dad as well as a couple of pastors that I have interacted with, and it just it just ain't no fun, and many of you have been there. But on the other side of this, there are dangerous temptations, and if you happen to find yourself caught by reacting sinfully to what has happened to you, I want you to know that there is hope and that you can become uncaught from this blinding sin of Christian toxic femininity. And even though I am speaking to toxic femininity, this applies to any gender, and it applies to any age. I mean, it would be fantastic if an angry teenager were to read this and recognize, you know, Rick understands uh, what it's like to be abused by, in his case, a drunken dad, but he is also, uh, he has responded sinfully to it. He has jumped in the other ditch, and I have too. What was that process, and, and then what is the path forward? Well, I want to deal with that in episode 421. And so why am I producing this resource when I know that there will be some people within the very toxic community that I am highlighting who will react harshly to it? Well, I have a twofold hope. I I hope that God will transform a few hearts, a few people who have been under abuse. And then I also, I want to instruct helpers as well, because not only do we abuse people jump from the ditch of abuse to the ditch of being an abuser as far as our sinful reactions uh, to what happened to us, but also find that many of the soul care providers, the counselors, uh, that they are out of balance too, and they end up compounding the problem of the victim of abuse. It takes a lot of courage uh, to be able to speak into what they are doing with compassion in some cases because the counselors don't have the courage or maybe they don't have the the competence to speak into the situation compassion, compassionately. They end up compounding the problem. Uh, they, they, they case harden. They help to facilitate a case hardening effect around the heart of the victim of abuse. And so I, I hope that God would open up a few of those hearts and bring transformation and then perhaps uh, instruct a few of these counselors or give them the self-awareness that they are really not qualified to do this work because they are compounding the problem. All right, so the title of this 421, episode 421, 10 Steps Leading to Toxic Christian Femininity. I want to get to those. Here they are in sequential order. Number one, they have experienced legitimate hurt from a person or an entity. For the fourth time, I will say here, I'm not going to delegitimize what has happened to you. I'm not going to minimize it. It is true. It is real. It is painful. It is horrific. And there is no excuse for it other than sinners will sin. And uh, you have been on the victim side of sin. It is a terrible thing uh, that we can do to each other. Uh, Sin unabated. 
people uh, people just do very, just do horrific things to other people. And again, for those of you who uh, don't know the story, I mentioned my dad, but uh, many of you already know that I have two brothers who were murdered as well. I've gone through a painful divorce and, of course, uh, a couple of abusive church situations. And so it, it is hard. There's no question about it. It is just painful. And so how do we get to the place of becoming toxic? In this case, I'm talking about toxic femininity. Well, stuff happens to us. Legitimate, painful, sinful, evil, horrific stuff happens to us. Number two, the disappointment from legitimate harm lingers in their souls. There's a difference between a disappointment or a pain that happens to you in a a punctiliar manner, an an episodic manner, versus a, a pattern. And when that disappointment lingers in your soul, it doesn't get better. There is a path out of this, and it would be fantastic if the disappointed, hurt person could could process through this quickly so that they don't fall into these traps that I'm about to mention, but also understand that a part of being victimized is grief. And and maybe many of you have not gone through being victimized by an individual or an entity, but you've gone through grief. You have suffered the death of a loved one, and you know that you just can't get up and shake yourself, and you're going to be better today. I define grief or describe grief as like a long, dark tunnel that you move through. You plod through, and you just can't get through it quickly. And so there is a time element that is involved here. Of course, that is the danger when we're talking about disappointment that you just can't shake off. That disappointment will settle in your soul, and if we're not careful, then that disappointment can turn to bitterness. And so there is a leadership aspect to suffering. Uh, You just can't suffer, or you should not just suffer. You actually have to lead yourself through suffering. And so recognizing that you're not going to get through this in a day, week, month, and maybe a year, similar to grief, then you have to do more than just suffer. You have to lead yourself. It reminds me of Psalm 103, where David was doing this self talk as he was talking himself into a right perspective about God life his own soul and and suffering and there is a leadership component to suffering and you have to lead yourself through it because the disappointment is not going to dissipate quickly it will linger in the soul but that is the blind side that is the danger and so number one they experience legitimate hurt from an entity or an individual number two the disappointment lingers in their soul for an extended period of time number three some friends commiserate with them that can cement the pain now this is where you want to be very selective uh, with the friends that you surround your with. You need friends with courage, friends who will call you out on any sinful responses if they can come alongside you and help you early on so that no habit develops. But oftentimes what happens is kind drifts or associates with kind, and you can find yourself collecting a group of friends who have gone through a similar experience, and they have not worked through it themselves. And they commiserate with you, and, and you can find yourself bashing uh, people 
who have done these things, not just to you, but also to this collection of friends who begin gathering around. If you have friends who commiserate that way and they perpetuate what is going on in your life and they're not calling you out on it, that is a serious red flag that is raised. It is there, and uh, you want to think twice about uh, continuing along with this friend because they are not helping. And so number three, some friends commiserate with the victim, cementing the pain. Number four, unabated disappointment, as I was talking about earlier. Well, if it does settle in as you're going through that long, dark tunnel, if it does settle in and you have a collection of friends who are cementing this, well, that disappointment is going to turn to various forms of anger, and here's two of them. One is bitterness, and the other is cynicism. You become a bitter individual, as we read in Hebrews 12, that bitterness will not only defile your body, but now it will leach out on you, and it will begin to defile other people. Now, if you're in this echo chamber of of friends who are not helping you, and then, well, they're going to be leaching out bitterness as well. And so that is the formation of a toxic environment that you do not want to be part of. That is bitterness. And so it's disappointment that turns to anger. A manifestation of that anger is bitterness. And then also I mentioned cynicism. Cynicism is a, is a suspicious it is a, a, a glass half empty person. Now you just become negative, pessimistic. You become the cynic. You become suspicious. Now that cynicism will not only give you a lens through which how you will see other people, but it will also give you a lens of how you view God. And so your vertical and horizontal lens will have a suspicious tint to it and, and will begin to question people's motives and their intentions. Well, you'll begin to question God and, and might not even recognize that, recognize that you're doing it. So number four, unabated disappointment turns to anger, bitterness, and cynicism. And by the way, if you go to episode 421, you can find all of this information. You can find these 10 steps that I'm talking about here. Number five, they connect with like, uh, like-minded folks, creating an echo chamber, creating a culture. And so these friends that begin to gather around the victim, well, Typically, they will lead you to a culture of people, a subculture, in this case, a subculture within Christianity, and now you're in a full-blown echo chamber where people are at various spots on the spectrum as far as their victimization, but all of them have a similarity that there is a a cynicism, a bitterness, and anger, and, and that will be the ongoing indoctrination as you go into this echo chamber. And that's at that point, it's really hard to come out um, without some kind, without God just doing some kind of supernatural intervention at that point. And then number six, their hurt forms the lens through how they filter and interpret things. And so now they have a presupposition. Now they have a lens. And, and again, that's how they're going to see things. I talked about this earlier with cynicism. Uh, the, the presupposition, the lens, is it, the glasses that they wear. It will be a victim identity. Uh, they will begin to take on the nomenclature of the, the victim subculture world within Christianity uh, for a 
example. They will call themselves survivors many times like Alcoholic Anonymous, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Uh, They'll be part of survivor communities, uh, and this can really be dangerous. I have uh, been abused, as I've said, multiple times in my life, but I would never be part of a survivor community. I just don't think that way. I don't want to be part of that kind of community. My identity is Christ. I'm not a survivor. I am a a Christian. But again, uh, they gravitate to this echo chamber, and then their hurt forms the lens through how they filter and interpret life. And then number seven, they begin to react because of their presupposition. Now they become more vocal and they sound off. And one of the ways that you will know that uh, they have been affected in this sequence that I'm outlining here to you is they will sound off angrily because the presupposition has settled in. uh, And it's not just a presupposition of anger, bitterness, and cynicism, but it is a, a total victim identity. And that is how they see life. And so because you're looking through that presupposition, supposition, the primary way that you're going to communicate is going to be anger, anger, and I'm not talking about righteous anger here. I'm talking about sinful anger, and so they will be easily triggered, and now they are vulnerable. Uh, They have volitionally made themselves vulnerable, either through ignorance, not understanding this process, or they gravitated toward the commiserating folks that eventually led them into the echo chamber. But however they got there, there's several ways to do that. Uh, They will be easily triggered. Now they are in a place of weakness, and uh, it's a double blindness. they won't realize the, the the place of weakness is the first layer of blindness, and they won't recognize uh, what has happened to them, which creates a double blindness. And so, number seven, they're reacting to their presupposition. They sound off on others angrily. Number eight, any pushback, any corrective care about their reactions incites them. And now, what you have is a weaponized victim. A weaponized victim is a person who's fully ensconced into the victim mentality. It is a full-blown victimology, and the weaponization means that because of what happened to me, and they're double-blind, they're blinded to their reactions, they're, from their view, uh, they are acting morally, and they see how they react to others as moral. Uh, and so a weaponized victim is perched on this level of self-righteousness looking down on anyone else. And any critique that you bring toward that individual, well, they're going to go off on you because they are fully weaponized now because there is inherent goodness in all that they do. There is a sanitization in all of their actions and reactions. And if you bring that to their attention, they will respond very harshly to you and, uh, And so now they're fully weaponized, and that is a dangerous place for anybody to be male or female. Number nine, they become righteous martyrs because others critique them. And so when you do bring correction, not only do they go off on you in a sinful way, but 
their rationalization is now I am a, a martyr. You see how these people are abusing me and they can't see the inherent problem within their own souls. And so now you have not only weaponized victims, but they are righteous martyrs. And then number 10, they are in a hermetically sealed toxic culture, perpetuating toxicity. And that is the 10 steps to how uh, you become a, a toxic Christian feminist, uh, which is very common, unfortunately, in our culture today. Now, you can go to episode 421, uh, 10 Steps Leading to Toxic Christian Femininity, and you can uh, watch this video, you can listen to the podcast, and you can see all these show notes. There are also a lot of uh, links here, and that's the second part of this that I want to address, uh, how to address this toxicity. And this is where I hope that one, uh, care, soul care providers uh, will either gain self-awareness and recognize that maybe they're not qualified to deal with this, or those who do have the courage, the compassion, and the capacity to do this, and the competence that it will help them to be able to speak into this in a helpful, transformative way. And then I trust that there will be a few people who recognize, you know what? What happened to me is very bad, but I am responding very poorly to it. Now, this is what happened to me, and actually, uh, it is when I ended up in jail as, 50, as a 15-year-old kid. Uh, God's mercy to me led me to a jail where I spent five days uh, cooling my jet, so to speak. And I, I had to work through the legitimate victimness of my life and recognize that if I keep going down this path, I am now sabotaging myself. In the past, my father sabotaged me, but now I am doing it to myself. And so my hope here is that there will be a few people that that will uh, listen to this or watch the video and say, you know what? Yeah, it was real. It was bad. There's no way around it. Sinners sin, and I was on the receiving end of someone's sin, but I am responding poorly to it, and I am becoming a person that I no longer recognize, and I don't want to be that person anymore. And so I hope that there's one or two that God would pull out of that kind of toxic fire. And so here are seven things that I would love for you to consider uh, if you're in that place of hearing what I am presenting. Number one, admit the hurt. I mean, just admit the hurt. It's real. Uh, it's, it's like what Joseph said, what you did, you meant it for evil. Uh, it, it, it is just, it, it's just that. Uh, it, what happened to you is is real. Number two, recognize that God uses sin sinlessly. And so if you continue on with Joseph's theme in chapter 50, verse 20 of Genesis, what you meant was for evil, God meant it for good. Recognize that the narrative continues, that God is doing a good work. And so you will have to live in the parallel of what others did would be one part of the parallel, and then what God is doing will be the other part. Now, whichever one is on top will be the one that will control or manage you. If God's sovereignty of him using sin sinlessly is the controlling power in your life, then you will be able to work through this. But if what they did to you has more controlling management over your life, then you will be an ongoing victim, and you will be 
you won't be a survivor. You can call yourself a survivor, but you're not. You're just a, a vulnerable, ongoing, self-perpetuating, self-sabotaging victim uh, because what happened to you is greater than what God is doing in and through you. And so realize that God uses sin sinlessly. Number three, there is no justification for sin, uh, whether it's the sin of my father or it's my sin. There's no justification for it. So I can't create this false narrative where I become a weaponized victim, where I sanitize my morality to where I can do anything that I want to do, and I've rationalized it to the point that now I am blind to my own actions. Uh, No, there's no justification for sin, for what they did or any sinful responses that I do. Number four, resist being part of the victim culture. If your people, if your group, if they perpetuate this leave just leave you can't you can't be you can't be part of that i mean we we should be doing that all the time if you work with someone who you know tells filth, filthy jokes all the time you need to confront the person and say you know this doesn't help me in my sanctification i use that illustration because i actually talked to uh, my friend scott 20 something years ago when i worked on the production line and and i just told him he was asking me to indulge in his sin. And I said, I I can't do that. That doesn't help me. He respected my position. We maintained friends and he never talked like that around me again. And so if the culture is bringing you down and not helping you, uh, then you need to not just resist the culture, but you need to walk away from it. Number five, God's grace is more significant than any offense. And this is a gospel perspective what we have done to God is far greater than anything that has happened to us. And that will be a hard statement for some people to wrestle with because what happened to you was really bad. But that is a place that you want to go recognizing that God's grace is more significant than any offense. And God's grace was more significant than our offense against him and he saved us from our sins we have been redeemed we have been extracted from that horrible pit and if god's grace is that powerful and that transformative well then it's also greater than anything that may have happened to us number six uh, listen to how you respond to others now this is one of the indicators and this will help you as you you go back and replay this and and listen how i talk about my father what you will not hear is a a cynical angry attitude i don't talk about him uh, that way because i'm not managed by him but one of the ways that you can tell if the victim is still victimized even in a self-sabotaging way is by how they talk Uh, for example like on social media is one of the more common places because it's so accessible but not only is it so accessible there is what we call the disinhibition effect meaning that they are not in the presence of the person that they are yelling at and so they can say very harsh and very unkind things because they are not inhibited it is the disinhibition effect this is uh, something that cyber psychologists have studied 
and they have recognized that people are freer uh, to say whatever's going on in their heart in a place where it's virtually risk-free, and that's why social media can be such a toxic environment for victims of abuse. And so listen to how you respond to others. Go back and replay the tape, so to speak, and look at your comments and where you've been triggered and how you have been responsible. Uh, how you have responded and ask God to give you the humility to see uh, if there's a possibility that you have become that toxic person. And then number seven, seek help from someone who won't commiserate with you. They won't be harsh and they won't be unkind. They will be very compassionate, but they'll also have the courage to speak uh, into your life. This is episode 421, 10 Steps Leading to Toxic Christian Femininity. I've walked through those 10 sequential steps. I've also addressed it of how you can identify uh, to see if you are have become that person. And then I have a, a slew of helpful resources. I have four hours of free webinar training that I want you to take advantage of. Ed, uh, Ed's, there's a gentleman named Ed who sent in a, a donation, uh, maybe $50, I think it was, uh, the other month, and, and, and he said, you know, I, I came on your website, I'm paraphrasing here, but I came on your website, and, and I see how you, you give your resources away, and so I just wanted to uh, donate, and, and he gave, I think, like $50, and that's fantastic, and that's why uh, you can watch four hours of training here, in addition to this 30-minute podcast, because we want to help. We want to help. And so if you watch uh, the webinar on self-reliance, responding angrily to what happened to you is a self-reliant way of reacting to what happened to you. Sympathy and empathy, I break it out, talking about those who commiserate but yet don't have the courage to speak into your life. Uh, True guilt and false guilt is something that is essential so you can tease out what is legitimate guilt, what are things that I need to repent of, and then, of course, what is... A false guilt. It's not from God. It, it, it's some from some other source, uh, and to be able to distinguish between those two. And then there's a webinar on victim identity as well, which is essential. There's four hours of webinar training here. And then I have about seven or eight articles. I will not go through those for the sake of time, but if you go to episode 421, and you can click on these links, but not just these four hours and these seven or so articles here, but there's a lot of other links here too, and I want you to take advantage of it. 10 Steps Leading to Toxic Christian Femininity. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.